This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon Makuku Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and ghosts who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology. We retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 227 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have a story from Irish folklore of the changeling, but with a twist. This is the tale of the changeling bride. But first, a very big warm welcome to any new and returning listeners. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, you picked a very good time to to listen. Uh, A very good example of what we do here on, on Fireside, a nice introduction. And if you enjoy this, why don't you head right back through the ranks all the way back to episode one and see what we've been building up to over the last nearly five years of this podcast. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so, so much for your continued support. All the usual ways you can support the podcast. You can follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard. You can share this on your stories and with your friends. It's still the best way to continue to grow the podcast. If you're not on social media and you want to get in touch, you can email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. And if you want to support me in a more direct way, you can support by my book, Garden Sea, a neo-myth of home, soon to be celebrating its second birthday. The paperback of Garden Sea can be shipped all around the world and is available on the Headstuff website and or instantly via Kindle on Amazon. Um And thank you so much, as always, to those who continue to buy that book. It's my favorite thing in the world to send that out to all of you, to new homes around the world. The final way you can support the podcast is by joining Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com, where for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Those are all the hard sells out of the way, and all the links are in the description below this episode. It's lovely to be recording with you again today. This will be the fourth episode that will come out in the space of one week as we continue to make up for lost time and lost episodes earlier in this year, which it has been incredible to feel like I'm finally getting back into the swing of things after after the events of the last year. And thank you again to all re- re- returning listeners for your patience and I hope now you will see now as I've finally got four episodes out in one week that I am committed now to catching back up and getting to 250 episodes by the end of the year and I hope you're enjoying the new content especially content I hate that word uh, the new um art too strong the new stories is exactly what they are uh, that have been coming out the, this week and we, it's just it's been a 
perfect timing as it turns out because at the time of recording it is October and it is the spooky season of Halloween which there is the most amount of folklore for it's the best time so it's wonderful to dig and find all of these new stories um, on old old stories told for on the first time for this podcast anyway of changelings and banshees and pukas and ghosts and demons and creatures and Yes, there'll be lots more to come in the next couple of weeks as we lead up to Halloween. Um, and so, but the story for this week is another tale uh, from the Fairy and Folk Tales by WB Yeats by the big, the big daddy of, uh, the first person to collect this story was one of our big daddies of folklorists, which is our boy T. Crofton Croker. Uh, this guy just had such an eye. I haven't encountered a T. Crofton Croker story that hasn't immediately gone into the podcast. Uh, he just seemed to either surround himself and, and find the best storytellers or just had the best way of telling the stories themselves or just his eye or his ear for the contents of these stories uh, always really sparks my imagination. And whenever I think of some of my favorite episodes of this podcast, uh, from the folklore variety certainly, uh, more often than not they are T. Croft and Croker. And I will put a link into him in the description below for anyone who wants to do a bit more reading in him, on him. But this tale is no exception. Um, this, this is a changeling story. And changelings are typically babies who have been spirited away or stolen by the fairies. But this, as I said at the beginning, is a changeling tale with a twist. And we will, of course, chat more afterwards about this because I don't want to give anything away. But this is the tale of the Changeling Bride on Fireside. The Changeling Bride Jamie Friel was the only son of his widowed mother. After his father's death, Jamie took full responsibility for the mother who had raised him. He worked every day of his life, in the fields, making deliveries, patching clothes, weaving fishnets, whatever work he could put his hand to. And at the end of every week, he would place all the earnings in the lap of his mother. His mother in kind would return him some change to buy tobacco. It was a hard, simple existence, but Jamie did it dutifully and without complaint. Jamie Friel was known by all his neighbours around the Donegal Peninsula of Fanad, where he lived, as the hardest-working, kind and honest son. But Jamie had neighbours he did not know about. Not far from his cabin, across a potato field, were the old ruins of a Norman castle. The castle was said to be the dwelling of the other folk, who could only be seen by mortals on Halloween night. When Jamie learned of this, he would gaze up at the castle. On the eve when the worlds of mortals and the dead are closest, Jamie saw the ruined castle lit up with fire. He could hear the sound of the finest traditional Irish music and of the shouts and cheers of folk singing and dancing. But no one had ever dared to actually go up to the castle. Not on Halloween, 
But one year, curiosity and ambition got the better of Jamie. He knew he couldn't look after his mother forever. It was not sustainable. They needed more money, a better house, a more comfortable life. So when midnight was approaching, Jamie Friel got dressed and prepared for his quest. Where are you going at this hour? asked his mother. I'm going up to the castle to seek my fortune, replied Jamie. You'll be killed, boy? My only boy? And then what'll become of your dear old mother? No harm will come to me, I promise. Jamie confidently reassured his mother and walked out the door. Jamie Friel hopped over stone walls, trudged through the potato fields and approached the castle. The sounds of music and cheer grew louder, though it seemed the voices sounded smaller the closer you got. Jamie also began to smell the beer, wine and food. He was nervous, but salivating from the smell. Looking through the brightly lit windows, Jamie saw what looked like hundreds of fairy folk, not one bigger than a five-year-old child, dancing and fighting around the castle ruins. Those that were not dancing were drinking and feasting. Jamie did not even have to introduce himself. The other folk knew he was there, and they knew who he was. Ah, Jamie Freel has taken the night off from looking after his mother to come and have a drink with us. Jamie was ushered in by tiny hands, and tankards and legs of meat were shoved in his paws. You're a good, fine lad, Jamie Freel, one said to him. You're welcome here any time, said another. Jamie relaxed, and even began to dance with some of the fairies. As the night wore on, horses were brought into the castle. Fairies began to mount their steeds, and one said, Jamie Freel, we're going to ride to Dublin to steal a lady. Are you coming? Jamie was baffled by this quest, but thirsted for adventure and agreed. Another horse of more suitable size was prepared for the lad, and soon they took flight. Jamie Friel rode over his mother's cabin and soon stopped recognising any land beneath him. They seemed to ride over the entirety of the island of Ireland, for every time they passed a town or city, the fairies would cry out, We're over Derry! Oh ho! Derry! 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 Derry, Tyrone, Armagh, Monaghan, Louth, Meath, until finally landing in Dublin. Right into the city centre the fairies rode, to no less than the beautiful Georgian houses of St. Stephen's Green. Through a tall window, Jamie could see a young woman asleep in her bed. Jamie thought her the most beautiful he had ever seen, and suddenly he realised how sinister the whole expedition was. The fairies crept through the window, picked up the still-sleeping girl, and replaced her with a log, which immediately took her form. As quick as they were there, the fairy horses were gone. Dublin, Meath, Louth, Monaghan, Armagh, Tyrone, Derry, and finally back to Donegal. 
The entire ride back, the fairies had taken turns carrying the young woman. When Jamie saw that they were about to fly over his mother's cabin, he said to one of the other folk, You have all taken a turn carrying the lady. Let me share the load. Once the sleeping girl had been placed on his horse, Jamie grabbed a hold of her and leapt from the beast. During the fall, the angry fairies, seeing Jamie had deceived them, transformed the girl into various forms. A barking dog, a writhing snake, a heavy iron bar, and even a jumbled ball of wool. But still, Jamie held on to her, firm for dear life. Finally, a fairy said, Jamie Freel, is this how you treat us? Well, I will make it so that girl will never speak or hear a word you say to her. Jamie landed by the cabin, and the fairies continued their ride back to the ruins of the old castle. When Jamie carried the girl, who was now returned to human form, back into his house, his mother was overjoyed at his safe return. But who is this? she asked. This girl was kidnapped by the other folk. I saved her. You should not have done that, said his mother. The other folk are not forgiving. They will curse you for this. I don't care. I could not doom this poor person from a worse fate living with them. But how will we feed her, Jamie? How will we care for her? We can barely get by as it is. I will work longer and harder, and we will manage. When the girl finally woke up, she thought she was still dreaming. She had fallen asleep in a lavish Dublin townhouse, and awoken in a squalid Donegal cabin. Of course, she could not articulate any of this, or hear the accents to ascertain where she was, because the fairies had made her deaf and dumb. So the frightened girl soon collapsed and began to cry. Jamie's mother tried to comfort her. I haven't even anything for this poor creature to wear. Well, find something, reassured Jamie. The mother rummaged in her closet for clothing from her own youth, and the only thing that would fit the young woman was the mother's own wedding dress from her marriage to Jamie's father. The young woman was not keen on the implication of putting on the dress, but she had to get out of her pyjamas. And Jamie Freel was a man of his word. He worked even harder and longer than he had before, while his mother grew to enjoy the company of the young girl while her son was away. Well, what company the girl was. Not being able to speak or hear, the girl mostly sat by the fireplace crying. But eventually she did start to relax and warm to the household and its inhabitants. She started to help out with the cooking and cleaning, and even began to smile again. An entire year passed, and Halloween night came about once more. Jamie Freel looked up at the old ruins of the castle, once again lit up with the revelry of the other folk, and he said, I'm going back up there. I'm going to make this right. No, Jamie, cried his mother. You got lucky the last time. You'll surely be killed this time. But Jamie once again reassured his mother. 
he knew what he was doing. Jamie took much greater caution when approaching the castle this time. He knew the fairies could see and hear farther than he could. When he was barely within earshot, Jamie waited and listened. One said, Can you believe it's been a whole year since Jamie Freel insulted us? The fairy who had cursed the young woman replied, Ah, yes, but I made him pay for that by making the young thing deaf and dumb. And little does Jamie Freel know that all the girl would have to do is drink three drops of this liquid and she would be right as rain again. Jamie waited no longer. He charged into the castle and grabbed the chalice out of the fairy's hand and ran for dear life. Somehow he escaped the clutches of the other folk once again. He burst back into the cabin, and before even assuring his mother of his safe return, Jamie Freel gave the chalice to the girl and mimed for her to drink. There was not much left, Jamie having spilt most of the liquid on the run back. But three drops was all that was needed, and three drops were left. The girl drank, but instantly she could hear again. She then tried to speak. It had been so long, but the first words she said to Jamie Freel were, Thank you. She threw her arms around him, and Jamie asked, What is your name? Grace, the girl said. Well, Grace, your voice is as beautiful as your face. Grace, Jamie, and his mother stayed up all night talking, having spent an entire year together in silence. The next day, Grace asked Jamie to write to her father in Dublin to let him know what had become of her. A letter was sent, and weeks went by, but nothing came of it. Another letter was sent. Still no reply. Jamie, I need to go to Dublin, Grace said eventually. But I cannot afford to pay for a carriage, and it is too far to walk. But walk they did. Grace and Jamie trekked all the way from Fanad, County Donegal, all the way on the rocky road to Dublin. It was not as quick or comfortable as the ferry ride, for sure, but they were together. When they finally arrived back at the girl's Stephen's Green house, a servant answered the door. I wish to see my father. The servant looked at Grace. Your father? The master of this house has no children. Sullivan, do you not recognize me? asked Grace. I can't say that I do. Please, just let me speak to your master. Grace's father came to the door. Father, it's so good to see you, the man scowled. How dare you call me father? I have no daughter. She died a long time ago. Who are you and what do you want? Father, how can you not recognize me? And Grace began to cry. Eventually the mother came to the door. Look, mother, said Grace, do you not even recognize this mole on my neck? True, our Grace had such a mole, but I saw her dead in her bed, and you are just stewing painful memories. At last, Jamie Freel spoke up. He told the family of the entire story, 
of the midnight fairy ride, of the kidnapping of Grace, of the replacing of her with a fairy log which took her form, of the year nursing her back to health. When Jamie had finished, it was as if the spell was broken. Mother and father took their lost daughter into their arms, and Jamie was welcomed into the house. After a hearty meal unlike any Jamie had ever tasted, he said he must now return to Donegal to his mother. Grace said to him, If you're going, then I'm going too. This shocked her parents, but Grace said to them, This man saved me from a life of servitude and torment with the other folk. Without him, you would never have seen me again. Wherever he goes, I will go. The decision was made. Grace and Jamie would be married. Carriage was sent to his mother in Donegal to bring her down for a glorious Dublin wedding. And Jamie Freel did indeed make his fortune when he inherited the lands of his father-in-law. Stories of changelings are often babies. But sometimes a fairy may take an adult too. You never know the whims of the other folk. And that is the story of the Changeling Bride. The End. Hello, my name is Dave Coffey and I'm the host of Phoning It In, the hilarious improvised phone-in show. It's like Joe Duffy's Liveline, except we make it all up on the spot. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 episodes featuring some of the best comedy performers in the country. People like Kevin McGahern, Alison Spittle, Killian Sunderman, Shane Dan Byrne, Joanne McNally, Michael Fry, Emma Doran, Peter McGann, Hannah Mamalus, Tony Cantwell and so many more. Join me, Dave Coffey, for phoning it in right here on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And there we have the tale of the Changeling Bride on Fireside, and I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes, what grabbed me, of course, immediately about this story is that any of the other Changeling tales I'd read had been about babies. Uh, The main one we did in the first few months of the podcast, I think it was episode 9 or 10, um, was the Brewery of Eggshells. Uh, where we had the uh, Mrs. Sullivan who uh, detected or suspected that her baby had become a changeling and was told to brew eggshells um, because a sight so strange as that would make the fairy reveal themselves. Um, and that's a classic example. And... But others have always involved, and they're typically are babies, because it is said that like it will be older fairies who will often be substituted for changelings as a kind of fairy hospice care, so that they can be looked after in their old age as babies. But here we have a changeling adult, um, which was immediately what captivated me about us, and it's the same thing as a fairy log. If if a fairy doesn't replace the baby or the human with another fairy they will often replace them with a fairy log which will then take their form but of course it will just take their form and they will appear dead so changelings and um, not to get too dark about it but it is a part of the lore of where a lot of these stories came from and why they endured was that a changeling was 
how mental illness in very young children was often described or uh, physical uh, physical disabilities um, and even uh, if a baby was to die in the crib it was thought that they had become a changeling and that it was a fairy log so with this case we have this woman grace when she does return to her home at the end her parents believe that she has died because the fairy log just turned into her form but she would have been dead in her bed or appeared that way to her and that this was one of the theories for the the world um and why these stories came about was to explain the unexplainable was explain the idea of a healthy child dying in the crib or even an adult a young adult dying in their sleep and that is part of the power of of these folklore uh, folk of of these tales and what maintains their potency um and so we have Jamie Friel uh, in Donegal. It's worth noting, yeah, Jamie Friel is the name of this character in the story uh, from which I adapted it from. It's interesting that it's a Donegal tale because um, the, arguably the most famous Friel comes from Donegal, which is the playwright Brian Friel. Um, so I did have him in my head while I was re- adapting this and wondering if Friel itself is a Donegal name because of that coincidence. But we have, otherwise, we have a quite typical uh, fairy adventure of a young, ambitious, adventurous young man going up to these beautiful castle ruins. And of course, it being Halloween season as of the time of recording, uh, I always adore when it does, when it is Halloween in the story as well, because I've done many tales at the rest of the year that happen to be on Halloween as well, always wishing they were, I was recording them when the season was such outside. Uh, so that those that listen to these episodes when they come out um, will be timely. But of course, I know a lot of people listen to these episodes out of order or six months or a year after recording, so perhaps that doesn't matter at all. But it is nice when writing and recording when the season outside is when you can live in the world that you're that you're talking about. Um, but Jamie Friel is one such character, very honest, hardworking. He's not a philanderer or a drunkard like like they often and sometimes can be he's an honest hard worker we're on jamie's side the whole time um and the the complexity of course is that they tell him we're gonna go and steal a lady and he's like yeah awesome no problem Uh, i'll go and do that now perhaps he was scared and had no choice or perhaps it is only in the moment when he sees what they are actually doing and doesn't feel so good about the idea of just kidnapping a young woman that Jamie decides to save uh, to save this woman. And, of course, we have the fairy curse of her being turned deaf and dumb and her being suddenly in this totally new surrounding and her new co-dwellers not being able to explain to her and her not being able to explain herself of where she is and just over the course of this year becoming more comfortable in a kind of... Uh, a nice Stockholm Syndrome kind of way. Um, but then we have The Return, and it becomes a very romantic tale in the end, um, and there is a nice bit of autonomy that Grace has in this story for herself, which is always nice to see in these older tales as well, um, that she doesn't just... Considering she is kidnapped and then just taken by Jamie as well, 
that it does become her own decision at the end that it isn't Jamie who who demands that they leave or even her parents as her parents are in this figure. Um, and of course it ends with Jamie getting his fortune which is what he set out to the fairies to do in the first place. So there is the theory that this was all part of the fairies plan or perhaps the family not recognizing Grace was part of the fairy charm and it was only Jamie proving his own worth. Beg your pardon, I accidentally pressed stop on the the recorder to stop it falling. Um, Jamie proving his own worth to them by telling this tale that earns him his love and his respect and his fortune in the end. It is unclear always the wheels and ways of the other folk. But of course, let me know your thoughts on this tale, on this epic adventure. It was nice having a, a full breath. There was no no real expansion necessary on this tale. I enjoy doing both. I enjoy when a tale is short and I get to expand the world a little bit and do a little bit of digging as well. But then I also like when a story has enough breath to it. Sometimes I have to condense. I think the the only thing I like not doing is is if the tale feels too long for this for this podcast or even that the tale feels unsustainable in its length. Um, and I have to make cuts. Now, sometimes it can be interesting to make it flow better, um, but this is kind of a Goldilocks spot where like, the tale as, as was was of a good length with enough of a journey, enough, enough uh, structure and kind of three acts to it um, that I just had to read it once and then just go off on the ferry horse myself. Um, but let me know your thoughts Um and if you know of any other changeling tales, would like to hear more tales like this, do let me know. Um, please do follow me over on Instagram or email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com with any of your thoughts, queries, questions, or just to say hello. Uh, buy my book, Garden Sea, Neo Myth of Home, uh, available instantly on Kindle or in paperback anywhere around the world from the Headstuff website. Um, support me on Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com. All the links in the description below. Next week, we are going to have the first of a, a duology of puka tales. We're going to have the tale of the Kildare puka next week. Two wonderful puka tales that I've discovered. Um, the shape-shifting, otherworldly spirit uh, who's always great company to be in. I will see you all. You'll hear me all next time. Remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.